I'm uh, going to be reading in Luke chapter 4. In fact, in this series, we'll be in and out of Luke chapter 4 and chapter 5. So if you want to kind of be reading in there, you can be. I'm kind of upside down and backwards without the podium here, but that's okay. I'll figure it out, I think. I was, I was, in fact, I was talking yesterday at prayer just for a few moments about how Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, he goes to the synagogue, and he's there, and he reads uh, from the scroll of Isaiah 61, and, uh, and he kind of just uh, reads what, what um, Isaiah spoke, looking out 700 years ahead through the telescope of time, prophetically about the supernatural ministry that the Messiah would have. And Jesus fulfills all that. And by the way, that ministry that he, uh, that, that the Messiah's ministry, it's not over. You know that, don't you? I mean, you got, you got to understand this, that when Jesus reads from this, and I encourage you to read in Luke chapter 4, when he reads from that scroll and he, he reads what Isaiah has talked about, it, it was yes for him, but he didn't take his ministry to heaven with him to, to, to kind of put it in a case there next to the right hand of the Father. Uh, no, he has given that ministry to us. The ministry we have is not our ministry. It's not Elevation Church's ministry. It's not Pastor Tony's ministry. But by the way, you'll never see me put my name on something, Pastor Tony's ministries. That is silly, right? It's the ministry of Jesus. It's his ministry. We only get to be partakers of that, right? We're not going to be prideful and, oh, this is my ministry. Or that's No, 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 no. It's his ministry, and it ought to resemble what he says, right? Recovering of sight to the blind. Right, liberty for the oppressed, right, proclaiming the good news to the poor, right, the ministry that's going on right now of the body of Christ should look like the ministry that Jesus said that he was given and that he, that he walked in. There you go. That's a little bit from prayer. All right, so, so, so we see that in Luke chapter 4, and then, and then Jesus, in the synagogue, there's a, there's a man. This man is demon-possessed, and Jesus um, um, sets him free, and uh, the evil spirit realizes this is the Christ. You're the Holy One. You're the, you're, you're the one sent from God. And then I'm going to pick it up, Jesus leaving the synagogue. He's at this big public kind of ministry moment, and then it says in verse 38, now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house, Peter's house there in Capernaum. But Simon's wife's mother Right? Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a high fever. Some of your Bibles may say great fever. And Luke, being a physician, he's given us a medical term right here. Right, A high fever is not just some low-grade thing. It's not just some, some minimal sickness. This is pretty severe. And they made a request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. You might just in your Bible highlight, underline, and immediately she arose and served them. And then it goes on to say in verse uh, 40, when the sun was setting, all those who had any uh, that were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them, and he healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. I'm preaching this morning on saved people serve 
people. Saved people. If you're taking notes, write it at the top of the page. Saved people serve people. Because you see, you get this picture, Jesus here in Peter's house and, and the other gospel writers in Mark chapter 1 and in Matthew chapter 8, they give us some a little more insight uh, that Luke doesn't give us, that, that this is Peter's house. Peter's house was in Capernaum. That's the town in which uh, they are in. In fact, scholars call this uh, the town of Jesus, because Jesus spends a lot of time in Capernaum. And, uh, and, and some have said that he probably stayed with Peter a lot, and, 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 and maybe so. But the other gospel writers say Peter and Andrew's house and John and James were with them. So if you can get the picture of these five, uh, five going in, uh, Peter, Andrew, James, and John walking in to the house, and then it says this, that they requested of Jesus... Here's a picture of serving. It's called intercession. It's not going to be up there on the screen, but you can jot it down, intercession. It's the idea that they understood that, that Peter's mother-in-law, now we don't know what Peter thought about her or any of that stuff or how they got along or any of that stuff, but what we know was she was very sick and she had, she had a, a, a severe need for healing and for health, and so they go to Jesus and make a, a, a big request of him. They're asking of him on her behalf. Intercession is when you go to God for somebody else, right? Because we can go to God for ourselves pretty easy. Like, God, you know, I need this and some of that and some of this and some of that, and I need this and I need you to do this and move in this. Anybody ever throw those prayers up for you? Like four of us have. In fact, I think it's the most common prayer in all of of, uh, of prayers that go on, right? It's the guy that he's not going to church. He doesn't necessarily even have a relationship with Jesus, but he's got a struggle going on in life, and in that moment, he just calls out to God, God, help me, right? It's, it's, it's the college student that hasn't studied and hasn't prepared, and they got to go in, and they go in there, and they're, sell, they're throwing up a little, what they call a little Hail Mary, like, God, help me. They may not know how to phrase it. It's not eloquent. It's not nice. It's like, God, help me. And so I think that's one of the, one of the most common prayers is that we would pray for ourselves and for our need. But to go to God on behalf of someone else, that's serving them. And they do that for Peter's mother-in-law, and Jesus comes. And Luke, using, again, medical terminology, stands over her. She's laying there in the bed. And, and like a doctor, a physician would come and stands over her. Now, the other gospel writers say that he takes her by the hand. And he speaks. And healing comes. She was, she was great with fever. She had this high fever. She was sick. She was unable to be doing anything that she normally would do. And she's there. And healing comes. And I, and I talked. If you weren't here last week, you can go back and, 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 and catch it where you listen to podcasts. Or you can catch the, it on YouTube at Elevation Indy, but, but, but here's the deal. Healing comes in his presence. I said healing comes in his presence. And here he is. He's present because he's present. Healing can happen. And she experienced, it says this, and immediately after she was healed, healing came and she got up and she began to serve them. It's a great picture. Now, it's a picture, first of all, that Jesus takes her by the hand. He wasn't worried about catching what she had. Sometimes in the body of Christ, we're afraid to go where people that need Jesus the most are. We're afraid that we'll look like we're condoning. 
And I'm just saying this, Jesus wasn't worried about catching what she had. I've been in some awkward situations a few times where, where I was with people and like, you know, they just weren't my tribe. They weren't my, they weren't, they weren't my crowd. They were they, doing some things that like is not necessarily anything that I would do or that I want to be a part of. And yet I wasn't there to condemn them, but I wasn't condoning. Neither was I going to compromise. You know what I'm saying? I was there out of care. You know, you, get, you, you, you may be invited to a family event or something, and there's some stuff, right? You're not there. Don't go John the Baptist on them, you know what I mean, unless God tells you to because you're going to make everybody mad and maybe nobody, right? There's a time when that can happen, but it's probably not on Thanksgiving Day when some people are doing some stuff, right? right? You're there to show care, to show love. I'm just saying this. Jesus wasn't worried about it. And the body of Christ has got to get over our, our fear of being connected to somebody that's involved in sin and thinking that somehow it's going to compromise us. No, no, no. Now, if, if you just come out of something, you might not need to go there. Hear what I'm saying? Right? But I'm just saying, I'm just saying that you, that you need to have an attitude like Jesus that I'll go. And, and by the way, the body is what touches. He's the head. Right, he's left the body here. Right, I, I, I can't, I can't necessarily see all their, their heart's intent. I can't, I can't hear their prayers, but he does. Right, I don't got any, My body doesn't have any taste about it. Doesn't have any uh, smell about it. But your body, our body, one sense we have is to touch out of the five senses. Right, and so to touch this world, he's left his body here for that. Right, and then, and then that line, and immediately. She arose and served them, right? She had that transformational moment with Jesus. And, you know, when you've been sick a little bit, you kind of hang out if you can a little longer. Like, you're not ready to jump up. Like, you've been, like, I'm not talking about you. You know, there's stuff going around. Somebody told me after the first service, said, hey, Pastor, I missed last week because I was on my way here, and then I just felt sick, and I went back when somebody catch what I had, and I said, well, that's good. And he's better now, right? You got something like that. You kind of, you know. People's had colds and flu, and somebody told me the other day, it sounded like they said 14 times, but I think they said four. They said, I've had COVID four times. Last time, I didn't even check. I just knew it was COVID, so I just stayed home. And, uh, and so you got something going on, and you kind of get over it, but even something light like that, you kind of just keep on bringing that chicken noodle soup, you know. Those the little, the good, the little nice crackers you're bringing. Like bring like, I don't know why I got the nice ones when I'm sick, but bring me some more of those, those good ones, you know. Not just the saltines, but those like club crackers. You ever had of the, or the Ritz? Like they call them Ritz for a reason. They're ritzy. And so, and, so, and so I'm just saying, you hang out. But if you got something that's really been bad, you're not going to jump up unless you've been healed by Jesus. And all of a sudden, right, I've been walking a little while, but man, my legs feel strong. I don't know. All of a sudden, I got this burst of energy. And she went about, and, and if, if the if the, the uh, narrative before this was a public display of the power of Jesus, this is a low-key in the house, and you can tell she just starts serving them. She starts serving them because save people, serve people. And, and, then, and then you see this, and I think it's good. The contrast is a beautiful thing because then it says the sun was setting. It's not early morning. sun is setting. And, and Capernaum is not the largest town, but it's also not a small town. It says they, one of the other gospel writers says that everybody in the town came out. And in, here Luke says, and they brought the sick people with them. 
So they're bringing anybody that they've heard about Jesus, that he can heal, that he can cast out evil spirits. And so, you know, they got Aunt Myrtle with the infected toe. She, like, everybody's coming. Like, you got anybody sick? Right? If you knew somebody, if you knew somebody's going to be here, could heal people, and you got some relative that's sick, you're going to bring them. Anybody hear what I'm saying? And they're bringing everybody out there. And then it says this about Jesus, and I read it kind of quickly, but we'll come back to it. And it said that Jesus laid hands on, touched every one of them. Now remember, it wasn't early morning. Sun's going down. Sun's setting. I can, I can imagine that he's, he's uh, moving through the crowd and touching people. And, 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 and from the sun setting, now the stars are lighting up the sky because he's been there for a while. And I want to tell you this, um, and I kind of go out on this, on this, I think they call it a dead man's plank, don't they? You know the pirates, they send a the guy out there, so I'm going to kind of step out there theologically. I tried to get an answer out of in the first service, and all I could get was plank, and they said that's what it's called. I think, I, think it's, I think it's a dead man's plank. They had a the guy walk out there, right, and fall. And so I'm kind of stepping out here theologically for just a minute, okay? Because I just don't think that Jesus had to heal all of those people. I don't think that now, the prophetic word is he's going to have supernatural ministry, but I don't know that he had to. I don't, he could have sent somebody else. He could have been at the house. It's late. Hey, uh, James and John, just go on down there. You guys are thund sons of thunder anyways. Go on down there. He's done that before, right? That centurion, he said, hey, send, send, send word, right? It's not uncommon. He could have did that. He could have looked out of, the, out of the house and waved it all, and they all been healed. He could have said, you're healed. I mean, I'm just saying, but instead, Jesus goes down there. It's late. It's getting dark, and he's moving through, laying hands. I don't know. What, what, was, it, was it 50 people? Was it 150? Was it 500? I don't know. It says many. Some versions say a multitude, and he went to every one of them. Now, I don't know if you've ever done it, but I've done it. I've prayed for there are numbers of people before, maybe 50 laid hands on each one. It is one of the most draining uh, things that you can do. I mean, you just feel like, oh, i got to fall down now because everything that, that you seemingly you have is gone. I mean, if, 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 if you're moving in the spirit, your fleshly body can't, can't respond necessarily um, to the level of what the spirit wants to do. And so, and so I, I'm telling you, I don't think he had to do that. But he wanted, he wanted to serve those people because Jesus demonstrates a life of service. Right? I see this lady. I don't think it's coincidental that they're, they're linked right there. I see this, this lady, Peter's mother-in-law, and immediately after she's experienced Christ in her life, she's serving. And then Jesus demonstrates incredible service. Now, a lot of times in body of Christ, we don't get to service like when it comes to serving, I think because sometimes just the way it looks. Ann Landers says this. Anybody know Ann Landers? Prior millennium. Opportunities are usually disguised as service and hard work. That's why most people never recognize them. Right? But here's what, here's what service does. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, it's one of the most beautiful truths of this life that no one can sincerely try to help another without also helping themselves. We, we have uh, uh, Bill McGowan. He's back over there. Um, 
every Sunday, 2 o'clock, him or he'll have some other folks. They go over to Altenheim. Um, I don't know, I call it a nursing home. It may be a different, different name. And go over and have a service for those folks that can't get out. And I want to tell you, and I didn't ask Bill this question, but I, I know this is, this is where it's at. He's going to serve. A lot of people don't even know we do it. A lot of people don't even know he's doing that. We didn't put a big banner up and say, Bill's going to Altenheim this Sunday. Give him a big hand. By the way, give him a big hand. Go ahead. Yeah. He's not doing it for that reason. He never gets that. He's not doing it for that reason. He's doing it to serve. But, but I know this because I've been. Um, I've, been, I've been to those places where uh, I remember as a youth, our youth pastor sometimes, seemed like about once a month, if I remember correctly, would take us over. And nursing homes were different then, like in the late 70s. Uh, I mean, always, always. And maybe I was more aware of it than the other. It smelled like urine. You know, I tried to hold my breath walking in there because it felt like you could just breathe the urine in your mouth. That makes you want to go, doesn't it? They're a lot better today. And then they'd, they'd roll, I don't know, 20, 25 people in the room, and our youth would get up, and we'd sing to them. I don't know if some of them were even conscious enough to know what we were doing. And we'd sing our hearts out in front of them. And then the youth pastor or somebody, sometimes they'd have to share a testimony, or youth pastor give a little sermon, and then they tell us, go hug and pray for everybody. And we get hold of those old people. I don't know, about, I know I'm not using the, great, the greatest words to describe it, but we get hold of them and, and hug them and pray for them. And they didn't have anybody seen them in so long. And that somebody just showed up and cared for them. And then you walked out of there. I'm about to get ready to get teary eyed right now, and I don't hardly ever do that. You walk out of there, and it did something better for you, I think, than it ever did them. Serving. Didn't go there for that, but it had an impact on on everyone that walked in there. And, and I just say this, that when you serve, you don't serve so that it benefits you, but it always does. It always does. John 13, Jesus is, is um, uh, he is um, getting ready to do, his ministry's wrapping up, and he has his disciples there at the Last Supper, and he puts a towel around himself, and he, he gets down and and he washes the feet of his disciples. And uh, by the way, uh, Jesus wasn't necessarily, as far as I know, a gifted foot washer. Wasn't his purpose, his calling wasn't just that. You know, you know what I mean? I mean, we all have giftedness, but serving is before our giftedness. We all have talent, skills, abilities, but serving is always before that. Like at Elevation, we do steps. We want you to find out what your spiritual gifts are. We want you to be serving in that place of your giftedness. But, but sometimes it's just serving. I'll get to the place of my giftedness, right, whatever that is. Jesus, his giftedness was more than I can get to right now, but I'll give you, I'll give you the big one. His giftedness was that he would leave heaven and come to earth to die, give his life, shed his blood, for lost humanity. And there was not another person that was alive on the planet then or prior to or since then that's lived that had that gift that could come from heaven and come here and do that. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
that Jesus, he who was rich became poor for our sakes. He left the beautiful um, halls of heaven to come to this planet to be beaten and scourged and die on a cross as a bloody Savior, taken off and put in a, put in a, a borrowed tomb and resurrect victorious over death, hell, and the grave for you and I because nobody else could do that. He was the only one that had the gift to do that. And praise God for that. I'm so thankful that he walked in his giftedness. But Jesus also demonstrates someone who was willing to serve no matter what the situation is, that he would stoop down and wash the feet of his disciples. I'm just telling you, he didn't leave heaven just to wash feet. He was serving. He left heaven to serve. He's going to serve in, in, in a multitude of ways, but... His giftedness was to give his life for you and I. And so in John 13, after he's washed their feet and Peter's pushed against him, well, you're not going to wash my feet. Well, if I don't wash your feet, you're not going to be part of me. And then Peter's like, okay, wash the whole thing. I mean, Peter has got attitude. You know what I mean? Like, like what are you saying, Peter? Like, somebody, like, somebody stop him. Like, you wish one of those disciples say, hey, man, stop it. You're about ready to say something you shouldn't say. Well, they just let him go. There he goes. It says this in uh, verse 12 of chapter 13 of John's gospel. It says, it says, so when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again there at the table with them, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. And here's what he says. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. And it's important to understand this, that Jesus just gave them a, a picture of what serving looks like, right? He, he steps down, and I think there's two things that, that we get, at least I'm going I'm to give you two things from this this morning, two things that we get from this, and, and Jesus teaches us two things. And, and it's, first of all, this, that in order to serve God, you must serve others. Like, you can't just say, I'm serving God and never, ever serve anyone. Are you with me? That if you serve God, then there's going to be this desire to serve others. And I know there's a lot of capacities in which we serve others, right? At Elevation, we have a lot of opportunities, but there's opportunities outside of here as well. And, and the idea is, and Jesus demonstrates it, that, that he serves others. In his serving God on this planet, he was serving others. And um, Peter, well, his struggle Right? Jesus invites him to see an example of serving. And I'd say this, serving period. Because you're saved, you serve. Because you're saved. Second thing that I believe that we, we get from this is that Jesus is teaching. When it comes to serving, nothing should ever be beneath you. When it comes to you know, it's not like, well, I'll do that, but I would never do that. Oh, you know, that's off. I'll... I'll I, I, that's off. The, that's off the limits for me, you know. I'll I, I'll do this, but no, nothing's beneath you. 
And, and Jesus illustrates this idea. Because let's be honest with you, feet aren't like the number one, like, you know, I mean, when I was a youth pastor, I mean, I'm going on some youth trips, I'm being in the room with the guys, and like somebody take off their shoes, and I'm like, oh, I was a lot straighter as a youth pastor. I'm like, put your shoes back on. Put them back. We, we, we cannot live with this odor in the room. Like, I can't breathe. I'm, I'm OCD, and I feel like it's going in my mouth. Put your shoes back on. Everybody had their shoes on. Nobody's taking off your shoes anymore. Because feet don't always have the best aroma. You hear me? They're also, they're also not the number one thing we want to touch. Like, you know, we shake hands, but we don't go up and say, hey, can I shake your foot? I would rather anoint somebody's head than anoint their feet. You, are you tracking with me? And Jesus, he illustrates the value of the least, of the last, of the lost, and the lowest in his life and in his ministry, and even in this act of service, that he would stoop down to the lowest. And I think that it's so important that, 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 that we catch serving is, is not about what I get to do. It's about what he desires for me to do for others. In Matthew 20, the the uh, mother of James and John comes to Jesus, and and uh, she she's she's uh, you know hey Jesus uh, I'm gonna paraphrase a little bit, but she's like hey Jesus um, can you grant for my sons one to be on your right hand and one to be on your left hand you know when you're in the kingdom you and, and she's she's envisioning this Jesus is sitting there on the throne he's ruling and then here's James over here and John over here she's got this picture and she's went to Jesus and. And, and maybe they're like, hey, Mom, don't do that. I don't know. We don't see that there. But and Jesus says, again, my paraphrasal, lady, you have no clue to what you're asking. And my paraphrasal is pretty close to the original. You don't have any inkling of an idea of what you're are you are, are you willing to drink from the cup that I drink of? Are you willing to be baptized with a baptism? Because it's going to be a whole lot of suffering. And, and you know what? And sometimes we desire something, and we don't realize that it's going to be hard. And I just want to tell you this. Serving is not always easy. In fact, a lot of times it's hard. But we don't serve because it's easy. If it's easy, anybody could do it. You know, my West Side language, any joker could do it. Right? We, don't, we don't serve just because it's hard either. Just know this, that in serving, it'll be difficult at times. It'll be hard at times. Now, Jesus does this with the disciples after this. He, in Matthew 20, verse 25, he says this. He called them to himself, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, Yet it's not going to be so among you. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, Jesus could have come. He had every right and deserved any kind of service that anyone could do for him. But he didn't come for that. He came to serve. And that's the way it's going to be with you, serving, serving. And I want to tell you that 
that, you know, when you, when you enter the house, my grandma's house, when you came there, and I mentioned it last week for a little bit, that she had a candy dish, and this one doesn't do it justice, but it had a lid on it. It was that real kind of glass that you, like, you look at it, and it's got, you almost see colors through it, you know. And she, she would take the lid off, and then she'd say, she'd say get you a piece of candy. And it's always that Brock stuff, you know, the, the butterscotch and the cinnamon and the, the like, teeth-breaking kind of stuff, you know. Every once in a while, those little green jelly things. And we get, you know, you always got a piece. Like, you didn't get 15 pieces, you got, because she said get a piece. And she didn't go smack your hand if you got more than one, but you just, she said one piece. And then every once in a while, it's even better. She, she'd get this tin out. You know what a tin is? Like, kind of ornate and stuff, and she'd pull the lid off of it, and it'd be peanut brittle. Now, you got to understand, peanut brittle for me is like meth is to a meth addict. I'm just saying, like, you open it up, and it's like, oh, my, peanut brittle. Like, there's none in my house. I've not had any in so long. I would say I can't remember what it tastes like, but somehow I think I still do. And she said, get a piece. And it's like I wanted every piece in there, but she said, get a piece. And so I'd look in there, and I was smarter than a lot of the other siblings. And I'd see the biggest piece with the most peanuts in it. And that's the piece that I would pick. And they get little pieces. I'm like, I'll keep this secret to myself. But here's what Grandma did. Whether it was fixing food that you couldn't get anyplace else. Like, you know, you can get stuff other places, but your favorite place, especially like Grandma just, she put some kind of Grandma seasoning on it or something nobody else has. And you get like, she'd fix us stuff. She'd offer us things. She was serving in your favorite place. You like it because people serve you. I'm just being honest with you. You may not know that. You know, it's, it's the idea. If you ever go into a nice department store and the people are like, can I help you? And then they back away and they don't bother you. And then when you get, need something, they're like all into it. Or if you're like some other store that's not like that and you're like, I'm looking for somebody with the vest on to help me, but I can't find. And then you find one, you say, hey, I was trying to figure out this. I'm on my lunch break. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Right? The place that serves you well, you just say, oh, this feels better. Feels, right? It feels more comfortable when, when we're served. And, you know, I, I think, as all of you are thinking right now, there's probably a place you were where people served you. Kim's grandmother, if you went ever went to her house, it's like, it didn't matter what time of the day it was. Her name was Floyd and Nadine. Most people just call her Sister Flo or Sister Elliot, but, but you go to her house, and she's, I don't know, she seemed like she's smaller than Kim, but uh, she would always ask you, no matter what time of it, no matter who you were, no matter what time you were there, what would you like to eat? And so what she was going to do is she's going to go in there, and she's going to make you something. Like, she's like a short order cook. You're like, take the steak and eggs, <laughs> side of biscuits and gravy. I mean, I'm just saying, she's just going to go in there and fix it. Her grilled cheese, there's still people trying to, to figure out how she made them. I think it was a two sticks of butter per grilled cheese. I don't know. But I'm telling you, it was good. You know, you may have a coronary after you leave there, but, but it was good. I'm just saying serving, serving. It's when people walk into a place like this, it's not about just gathering and having a moment of time. That's great. But are people being served? Right? Are we on task to serve people? And... And, and here it is with Jesus. He's illustrating this idea of serving and, and to serve people. 
because you're saved, not expecting something in return, and, and not getting a wrong perspective of it. And so I say this, when it comes to serving, don't ask for promotion, just serve, right? Don't ask for a promotion, because God's the one that promotes. Proverbs 18, 16 says, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. I can tell you, you know, I, I never really wanted this. I got friends, they like, we'll, we'll talk about stuff sometimes, and they'll talk about, man, I wanted to get up there, I wanted to be up there, and I'm like, yeah, man, I didn't want to be up there. <laughs> when I was a kid, they asked me to sing. I didn't even want to sing. Then I got younger, I was a teenager, they asked me to sing. I was like, I kind of like doing it, but also, I don't get in front of all those people. I didn't, I didn't look for this. And so I, I say that, and by the way, I'm surprised more than you are that I'm doing this. I'm surprised that I'm the one up here with the mic in my hand. So I don't say it's boastful, but I, I would say this, that I've never, never, that's a big word. I believe I can back it up. I've never asked to preach any place, not one time. But people have asked me, right? Your gift makes room for you, right? I, in fact, every year I turn down opportunities to preach at other places. Sometimes I, I accept them, but a lot of times I just say no. And simply because, I mean, I got guys, they ask me every year, will you come, will you come, will you come? And it, I'm not saying I got hundreds. I'm saying I got guys that do that. And, and I would just say this, that I know my calling and where I'm at, but I also know that I didn't ask them, your gift makes room for you. Kim and I, we, we've led worship and sang years ago. We haven't done a long time. We're not planning on doing it anytime soon either. But um, several places around the country. And I never asked them. I never asked to sing a song one time. Never. Never asked to sing on a team. When our, we had a youth choir. I was a youth pastor. We had a little youth choir and did some gospel stuff. I never, ever called somebody and said, can we come and sing at your event? But our little choir sung in front of thousands at national events. And by the way, not because we are so talented either, because there's some of those kids in there, I'm thinking they still can't sing. We turned the mic down real low in front of them. I'm just saying, I'm saying this, that your gift will make room for you. And when it comes to serving, don't worry about your giftedness. Discover it. We have steps. We're going to help you discover your gift or your, the spiritual gifts in your life in steps. But don't make that the thing you're running after. Just serve. Somebody shout serve. Yeah, serve. Serve people. And then the other thing I would say is don't complain. Man, I hear people in ministry. Sometimes it's pastors that are getting paid to do what they're doing, complaining and whining and stuff. And I'm like, sometimes I'm like, hey, man, are you called to do this? <laughs> sometimes pastors call me about, you know, they're in a rough spot. I've been in them too. But I'm just going to, I was bivocational for nine and a half years. I worked a 50-hour, 55-hour week job and did what, and back then, you know, we did Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night. Sometimes I had to lead worship and preach too. And I'm just saying, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And it wasn't because I had to. I had opportunities to go uh, be paid full-time at some places, but I just knew this is where God had me to serve. And so don't complain and bellyache about it. Anybody with me? Like, like if you're in the parking lot and it's raining, man, I hate that for you. But let the joy of the Lord just well up within you. Open that umbrella up and help that single mom get into the church and just know that you're serving and you're doing the ministry of Jesus. Serving. And don't pursue 
a platform. That's what can happen. We, 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 can get, we can get confused about what God wants us to do. God wants you to serve. God wants you to pray for the people in your neighborhood, for the people in your family. He's not wanting you to get up on a stage so you can assemble a line and wear a white suit and be flashy and have a lot of pizzazz and pray for people. He just wants you to pray for people where you're at right now. I mean, Peter and, John, James, uh, Peter and Andrew and James and John, they would get that one day. But on that day, they're just hanging out in Peter's house and, her, and Peter's mother-in-law is sick and they went to Jesus interceding. If you're faithful there, by the way, God doesn't say, you know, hey, one day, you know, uh, you get to eternity, he's going to say, well done, thou good and fruitful servant. He says, well, well done. Or throughout eternity, it will echo faithfulness. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Right? It's humbling yourself, as James 4.10 says, and letting uh, the Lord exalt you. Let him lift you up. He's the one that gets promotion and increase. And maybe there is a platform out there one day that you're going to stand upon and you're going to declare something. But right now, it's serving. Serving. Just doing it, period. And I think when I think about elevation, I'm so thankful. Over the years, and I, don't, I didn't look to see where we're at now, but over the years, we, we've held pretty steady. About 50% of the people that come here serve at least one time at elevation. Now, I can tell you, I, I, know, I, know, I study church stuff. Sometimes, I, sometimes the church is kind of like this. And I look at it this way and that way and that way, trying to figure out, Lord, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with this? How is this supposed to work? And so you read stuff. Here's what happens. Most places, it's a 20-80 rule, Pareto principle. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. I'd say it's common in churches where 10% of the people do just about everything. Elevation, we've been blessed. Again, over half of the people that come here serve at least once a month somewhere in some capacity. And I'm thankful for that. But I also know that um, there's so much more that can be done. Anybody with me? It's, it's a shared experience. What I'm doing right now for, looks like 45 minutes, what I'm doing right now is only one part of what we do. To be honest, these guys practiced and got this. So we have worship, a team of people clean the building and vacuum the floors and clean the bathrooms. There's people out there that welcome people, park cars. There's people serving back there in the children's ministry and in the nursery. And I'm not even touching everything that happens. Yesterday there was a work day, guys up on lifts doing stuff. I'm just saying this, that because we're saved, we serve because we know there's people going to walk through those doors and they need this right. You ever go to that, you ever go to that restaurant and you go in the restroom and you're like, oh my, I can't stay here. That's me. I don't have many restaurants I've walked out. Maybe you can hang out there. I, don't I just see stuff and I'm like, oh my, I can't do this. And, and then Kim's like, she just goes with me. I would never want somebody to walk in our restroom and say, oh, my, this is trash. I can't go to this church. You hear what I'm saying? Because we haven't served well. My pastor asked me, well, he asked the congregation, 1987, like for somebody to go out and go door to door 
invite people. And it's a little different, 87 is now. I did a little bit last week because we've been doing a little bit of that. It's not, I don't think it's the best way, but I thought we should get in the community a little bit. I was 19. I didn't necessarily want to go to the front door of anybody's house. But because they had a need and I was saved, I served. So I said, I'll go. And I got some people with me. We went knocking on doors. And I'm telling you, I didn't know how to do it right. People come to the door, they're in the middle of supper. 19-year-old kid, hey, you know where you go right now if you died? He's just thinking about eating supper, you know what I mean? He just got, because <laughs> I mean, I was serious, like, I mean, me, me and my friend Jeff, we got kicked out of the Greenwood Park Mall like four times for witnessing to people. I'm not saying you should do that. I mean, one time they threw us out, we walked out the door, security met us out there, big tall guy, I mean, I'm tall, this guy, I see a big hat on and stuff, you know, and, and he said, I need you, go, you guys to leave here, you can't be doing this. We're just telling people about Jesus, you know. I said, okay. So we walked out, we have been kicked out a couple of times before that, so we went out, and then we went around the other side of the mall and came back in, just started doing it over there until they met us the second time. Our thought was, there's kids over there selling drugs, I don't know why you make them leave. We're just giving people Jesus. Serving. Just realizing there's a place, right? And God's not looking for your ability. He's looking for availability. He's put gifts in your life. Maybe some of those are budding. budding. Maybe some are, need to be developed, but they're there. But he's looking for people to serve. 